Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is The Big Question, the show that gives you too much information about how WandaVision's real TV influences are not classic sitcoms, but the scariest TV show episodes and movies that have sent us down conspiracy rabbit holes in our lives. But you know, not too deep, because in the good old days, conspiracy theories were just like fun, and they didn't lead us to storm government buildings. I'm Eric Voss, talking TV today with Hector Navarro. Hey, buddy. Hello, Eric, and happy Mephisto to you. Thanks for having me on the show. And a happy Mephisto to you. You know, uh, I think the last time we had you on Big Question, it was to talk about what version of time travel Tenet is going to be. We kind of need your brain to answer these hard, hard questions because none of oh, us know what's going yeah. on in, in WandaVision. Well, it's funny because Tenet, the time travel device, ended up being um, pretentious. So that was the main yes. use of time travel <laughs> in that film. Uh, you know, to yeah. varying degrees for different uh, audience members. So that, yeah, <laughs> we, I guess we were all wrong. Or were we? I don't know. Type 9 pretentious or type 10 confusing. <laughs> Our big question, Eric, is what the hell is going on in WandaVision and what movies and TV shows can we watch to help us understand what is going on in WandaVision? Ah, yes, yes. On the surface, WandaVision seems to be borrowing from things like The Dick Van Dyke Show, Bewitched, The Brady Bunch, and others. But if you never watch a single episode of those shows, don't worry, you're fine. Because beneath the surface, WandaVision is horror. Uh, Wanda is trapped in a delusion of her own making, we think, uh, and she's using these sitcom tropes to mask the darkness that is really happening. So really, the true reference points for WandaVision are those in the genres of horror and sci-fi and fantasy, simulated reality, things that Hector and I have spent our entire lives talking about endlessly uh, in conversations that are about other things. But in this episode, Hector and I are going to curate an essential viewing watch list for WandaVision that you can try out between episodes. Watch these things, and I promise you, WandaVision will start to make a lot more sense maybe even be a bit more enjoyable to you. And Hector, our first title that we're going to talk about is The Truman Show. Oh, classic. Love it. The Love Jim it. The Jim Carrey 1998 movie that started a lot of conspiracy thinking in people in the late 90s. It's about this guy Truman who his whole life is a is like a TV show. He lives in this simulated bubble that's broadcast to the world without him knowing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we definitely see how this is similar to what WandaVision seems to be, right? She's in this sitcom world, but it's uh, it's false. It's ersatz. Everything's fake. That's that's what I loved about The Truman Show when it came out. I think it's a movie that's still ahead of its time. But I, I loved how it, when you brought this up as an example, you can talk about how The Truman Show had that old sort of 1950s, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Make America Great Again era of the United States uh -huh. almost. This, this very idyllic sitcom style style as opposed to they could have just done it and had it set in 1998 and had everything look like 1998 except that he just didn't know there were hidden cameras and stuff but i think that that was a purposeful right. thing that that film tried to do to really get you to understand that something was not right and that a lot of the times when we look back on those kinds of eras of television or american history or whatever that there was stuff kind of under the surface that wasn't all the way quite right so it's a great example love the truman show yeah. and it, the way it connects to wandavision nicely done and you're talking about this whole nostalgic element to it and starting there which is how wandavision starts kind of immediately triggers to the viewer that something is false about this. Because while we both have, uh, we have a nostalgic connection to the Dick Van Dyke show, we now view it as something that's kind of showy. It's it's a multicam set. It seems kind of fake. Everyone's mm -hmm. playing things up. And it's almost a little creepy now because a lot of other things we're going to talk about in this episode have kind of trained our minds to view this as suspect, as hiding something. Mm -hmm. And the show almost doesn't need that, um, that scene at the end of the 
the episode of episode one where you see a video control booth though i think for viewers it's good to have that you do have that in the truman show you have the moon it's kind of their uh control station and there's this other thing and let me know if you agree with this hector in wandavision after episode two there's this whole thing of for the children for the children and then we see that manifest in episode three when rapidly she gets pregnant and has those babies, Billy and Tommy, proving some of our theories, by the way. But in the Truman Show, there seems to be kind of this weird subplot that they don't mention a whole lot, but there's kind of this hint that they want Truman to have a kid. Why? Oh, so that they can continue the series after him, kill him off if they need to, and just keep this going forever. It's super creepy. They don't go too much into it, but that's part of the reason they feel threatened by him dating this other woman who they can't control. That's a great observation. I think um, it's also, in the movie The Truman Show, it's it's a great metaphor for, like, if you feel a certain way about your life and you want to go do stuff, but then when you have kids, you have those responsibilities, so you do kind of have to settle down in a way. So with Truman's mm -hmm. whole character being like, I think I want to go explore, be an explorer, I want to get out of this small town i think that the pressure that the producers of that tv show put on his wife who was an actor even right. to like have a kid with him and get pregnant it's just to just to get him to really stop questioning the world in a way and to and to settle in and, and look at those responsibilities so i wonder if wandavision is going to do something like that that's very interesting or if i'm hoping wandavision does something where it really is wanda who wanted to have these kids kind of like in the comics you know what i mean it was it right. was her who decided to have these kids and she wasn't being manipulated by anybody else and there wasn't any ulterior motive but then later bad stuff happens bad real bad stuff happens bad stuff happens to yeah. poor scarlet witch in the comics right. <laughs> it's it's never a happy ending for her it seems like I would say the the big difference between the Truman Show and WandaVision is the amount of control that that the protagonist has over their world. Like yep. in uh, the Truman Show, it's all Kristoff. It's Ed Harris's character. He controls the weather. He controls everything. But in WandaVision, it looks like Sword, the people in the booth, are not really that much in control of Westview. They're kind of following Wanda's lead or following mm -hmm. the lead of whoever's doing this to Wanda. And that level of control is also kind of the difference. And the other, the next title we're going to talk about, The Matrix. You know, this series that's where all of reality is a simulation mind prison projected in the minds of humans that are actually being farmed in these pods as batteries for machines and a similar kind of idea right um it's much bigger in scope all of reality versus like a small westview town different aesthetic yep. less yep. sitcomy more like grungy cyberpunk you're breathtaking but mm -hmm. i think basically the point of view of cypher in the matrix is Wanda in WandaVision. Mm. He prefers to live in the lie, to live in the simulation, because that makes him happier. As like, And it seems like Wanda could say ignorance is bliss. I think we're gonna get in WandaVision the heartbreaking revelation as to why Wanda put herself into the situation. And like you said, I think it'll be something similar to, we understood Joey Pantoliano's motivation. We understood Cypher. We, you know, that movie set that up so brilliantly in the world of the Matrix to be like, actually, yeah, would you want to be able to eat steak or would you want to eat some goop, you know, with no hair in a, uh -huh. in a, in a ship called the Nebuchadnezzar, but you're free. Yeah. I, that's a, it's a great, you know, sort of uh, uh, metaphysical dilemma, but... I think we're going to get the revelation in this in this miniseries where where we're going to learn Wanda has been really 
dealing with the death of Vision, the man mm-hmm. whom she loved, the synthesoid whom she loved. Uh, I bet it's going to be heartbreaking. But um, yeah, that's like the that's like the key difference. And although you know, in the same way that like Neo was able to bend or break the rules. It's it kind of gets a little bit closer to Wanda being able to be like, nope, and things can just kind of rearrange right. and stuff. So now if we want to talk about um, the possibility that Wanda could be a villain of this, we should look at the Twilight Zone season three, episode eight, a classic. It's a good life. So one of my favorite episodes, one of the creepiest ones, that's where it's a six-year-old boy, Anthony Fremont. He controls this isolated town in Ohio with his mind. All of his neighbors just have to play along with him because he can look into their thoughts and they just have to smile and just play along. And then he banishes them to a hellish cornfield if they don't do what he wants. And then at the end, he turns a guy into a jack-in-a-box. It's super creepy. It's very creepy. And then The Simpsons did it. Dude, The Simpsons done everything already. Who cares? In yes. <laughs> uh, their third season, the second ever Treehouse of Horror, and instead of uh, it being called It's a Good Life, I think they, they named the segment The Bart Zone, like the Twilight uh-huh. Zone. Same uh-huh. thing. He turns Homer into a jack-in-the-box. Same exact premise, except the nightmare there is that he actually bonds with his father, and then Bart had to wake up after they had like spent some time <laughs> together and loved each other. But that's that's usually my entry point to most pop culture things, is that I just watched The Simpsons oh. growing up. And yeah. they, <laughs> they would too. tell it me to too. me first. Uh, my aging throughout my life has been just one after the other, realizing what Simpsons jokes were referring to. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Citizen Kane. Oh, exactly. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, this is a heartbreaking one, though, because you, you mentioned... Uh, before we started talking about it, the possibility that Wanda could be the villain. And that bums me out. But especially after episode three, Eric, especially after episode three, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. It may be this way. This this is where we might be going. So this is a great example to get that, that, that feeling, that sense of when Wanda asks Geraldine to leave, it, it had this Twilight Zone feeling of like, uh oh, you have yeah, disturbed. just that banishment. I'm just blasting you out. It felt Terrifying. like what Anthony Fremont would do. And to me, it was the toy helicopter. Mm. And it's only because I have this theory that that helicopter is the sword helicopter that just got turned into a toy. But if you can turn yeah. something in real life into a toy, that's scary as hell. That's a jack-in-the-box. That's a Homer jack-in-the-box. It's very scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not nodding. It's the air conditioning. We see a similar thing in our next title, Black Mirror, which is basically uh, a not-as-good modern version of the Twilight Zone dealing with more uh, technology but there are a bunch of great episodes of it including the USS Callister which is just like it's a good life but it's done with a, a game developer where he traps the minds of his co-workers in his digital dollhouse it's all based on like a Star Trek kind of show and it's all about toxic fandom that USS Callister such a great episode yeah. maybe my favorite episode of Black Mirror because I'm a big Trekkie my favorite episode was San Junipero just because it's one of the few episodes where characters just don't get unreasonably horribly punished for not really doing anything wrong it's just such a <laughs> sweet love story about um, um, these lovers who meet in a digital afterlife. I should say, spoiler warning, these shows have been out for like several years now. Um, we'll yeah, put a spoiler yeah. warning at the top of the episode. Hang the DJ uses a similar one. That was from the same season uh, as uh, U.S. Callister. That's where couples are mm-hmm. pairing and they start off the relationship knowing when the relationship's going to expire. But then it's eventually revealed that all these couples are just simulations within a dating app algorithm. It has a San Junipero kind of feel to it. Not as good as San Junipero, but all of these kind of parallel what's going on WandaVision, right? It's a, mm. It seems like a digital world that is not real, where characters are trapped there to serve some other kind of deeper purpose. I had never before this show considered Wanda Maximoff's 
powers of reality manipulation as being something that kind of has like a digital motif. And then yeah. watching the show, all of these theories coming out about like, well, it could be her, it could all be her because maybe like a lot of people around the world, they grew up on American television. And maybe mm -hmm. that's how this stuff is kind of being funneled. So in the same way that like Black Mirror uses technology as the sort of framing device and it doesn't seem crazy you can watch wandavision and and i there may be a revelation of like why tv though why all why all of this tv history how does wanda know about this stuff maybe they had reruns in sokovia that's what it comes down to yeah. you know what i mean maybe they had reruns sure. of dick van dyke and bewitched and brady bunch in sokovia it could be something as simple as like um she's strapped down somewhere and then on the tv is some kind of like tv land or some kind of network that's playing reruns and then mm -hmm. so that's just kind of what fil is filtering into her mind in the same way that in inception when you listen to music uh that kind of filters down to the dream layer mm -hmm. underneath mm -hmm. but what a convenient tv marathon that's on that it starts in the 50s <laughs> and goes through each decade like and chronological marathon <laughs> very convenient um now a show that i think if you are a bit too confused by wandavision and want to feel a bit more confused um watch legion on fx very weird show. Season one, mm. I loved. The pre seasons after that kind of lost me a little bit. Mm. But mm. Legion is all about uh, the character Legion, David Holler. He is a Marvel mutant, exactly like WandaVision is. But if you were to watch this show, you would not think that you're watching a superhero thing. It seems like you're mm. watching kind of a, a trippy exploration of mental illness or uh, dissociative identity disorder, maybe. But it's a very similar concept. Uh, it's an institutional one flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of thing. But he ends up working with like this team of mutants and he is stalked this whole time by this creepy demonic entity that is called the devil with the yellow eyes. One of the most mm. terrifying characters in TV. Is that the Shadow King or is that a different character? It is revealed to be uh, the Shadow King, AKA I'm all for- Spoiler! I, I got a question for you, Eric. I got a question for you because I've only seen the first episode of Legion and I was very impressed and I need to go back and, and do yeah, the entire yeah, series. Is there a definitive connection to the X-Men movie franchise? Is there? Yes, there is. Um, at towards the end of season one, I want to say episode seven, they go into David Holler's backstory and how he is the son of Charles Xavier. And there is a flashback at one point where he sees a wheelchair rolling in and it is the Charles Xavier uh, uh, Patrick Stewart X wheelchair. Whoa, you don't see Patrick okay. Stewart, but you see the wheel. It's very wow. exciting. And what's the reason I, I bring this up is like Wanda is the daughter of Magneto. These people are the second generation. They're both Omega level mutants. It's not similar powers. Wanda can rewrite reality with sorcery. Legion has a bunch of different identities um, stored in his mind that all kind of take over in different ways. One mm -hmm. of them is Shadow King and that's how he has that connection. But think of it this way. if you know, our theories are right. And if Mephisto or the Grim Reaper or one of these other demonic entities is stalking Wanda, that is very, very, very similar to what we saw in Legion. And they both bend genres. They both have like, not necessarily sitcom-y episodes in Legion, but they do have like musicals. Uh, they oh, do yeah. like a black and white kind of weird avant-garde movie episode. So if you want like an even darker, more violent version of WandaVision, definitely check out Legion. Yeah, Legion definitely pushes the style of uh -huh. what people would come to expect from the even the X-Men movies, even with stuff like Deadpool and Logan kind of pushing that style already. 
I, that's what was so impressive about the TV show Legion, and it looks like that is what WandaVision is doing now, which yes. is cool. It's It has a, that same kind of feeling of, what am I watching? What exactly is going on? I need to go to YouTube and, and find one of these nerds to explain it to me. Where's the X-Men? Uh, but where's the Avengers? I don't right. know. I don't get it. Yeah. What is this? Now, another title we should acknowledge is Pleasantville, uh, starring Peter Parker and Reese Witherspoon. Time. They get sucked into this 50s sitcom reality that gradually changes technicolor to represent more free-thinking views taking over that decade. There are some similar themes of using TV as the framing device um, of mm -hmm. the community versus the individual. And everyone's kind of smiling, everyone being like, what the hell is going on? And using technicolor within a black and white frame to represent reality warping. Um, mm -hmm. But beyond those aesthetics, I'm not sure how much Pleasantville is going to connect to WandaVision. No, but I mean, look, we got to we got to mention it because it's definitely I feel like influential to yeah. the, even just the black and white to the color, because at the yeah. end of episode two, it felt like Wanda and Viz made that move almost as if it was like an evolution in their own lives. Something had sort yeah. of opened up, something had, you know, shifted. And that's how it's used in Pleasantville, which is really interesting, is that people, once they sort of are able to break out of that mold of more cookie cutter conformity of the 1950s or whatever, whether it's like sexually or with social issues, whatever it was, mm -hmm. people would start walking around and they would be in color. Right. That yeah. Once they had sex, they would be in color once they <laughs> which is great. You know, what's fun in Pleasantville, if I remember correctly, there was kind of this sub theme of the Red Scare. Yes. Uh, that was a big part of it of like, oh, they they change color to represent free thinking, progressive views. But in the 50s, people were so anti-communist because, you know, of all the propaganda and the way society was warped during the Cold War. And that seems to be a little undercurrent in WandaVision, at least the first two episodes. Oh, I like, know. Mr. Hearts, we don't break bread with Bolsheviks and Vision say, Norm's a communist. Like, that was part of the time. But I, I don't remember classic sitcoms mentioning communism a whole lot because all those TV writers were terrified of being labeled as communists. They would have lost their careers. Oh yeah, and I'm reading a bunch of old Marvel comics right now. All they do is fight communists. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's really the <laughs> most political propaganda, you know, thing that I've ever seen, but it's just Iron Man and Hulk and all these characters fighting communists and what people thought of, a, of this political group back then uh, during the Cold mm. War. It's really, really funny. But yeah, that was a great little moment in episode two. I felt really creeped out by that. And then the reaction and then the joking. And then the, I, I, I thought, oh, maybe, maybe WandaVision is giving us these little hints throughout that uh, it just felt so out of place. Cause like you said, Eric, old sitcoms would never talk about this. Bewitched would never talk about this. So the no, fact that Vision not. said that felt like should I be watching this? Is this appropriate? <laughs> now, if you're a huge Bewitched fan and there is an episode that deals with communism, don't at us. I'm sorry, we didn't watch the shows. It's just those shows were not known for bringing up <laughs> the Bolsheviks a lot. Please at me. I'm curious. I want to know. I want to know what that there was like. There was not like. a Nikita Khrushchev <laughs> cameo in The Brady Bunch. The now, we're going to talk about just real quickly a couple things you should check out uh, if you if you have time. Um, first off, just a couple things that bend genre, the genre benders. One, and you can watch this right after you're done with this episode, Too Many Cooks uh, from Adult Swim. It's on YouTube now. I love this. Uh, this is just a, a late night short that they put in. It's not short. It's like 14 minutes. But it's, uh, it's like a classic 80s sitcom intro sequence, but it never ends. It just keeps going and going and going until it devolves into this meta nightmare. And it's like meta on top of meta on top of meta. It's like four different episodes of Rick and Morty stacked on top of itself. Oh, man. Oh. 
Jesus. But when I watched WandaVision, I felt like, oh, this is too many cooks. There's like a creepy, sinister force <laughs> at work here. Just thinking about too many cooks right now, I hate it. But I know that when I actually am in the middle of watching it, I love it. It really yeah. it really runs the gamut. It takes me up and down through, I'm like, no, this is stressing me out. This is stressing me out too. This is hilarious and genius and brilliant and I love it and I never want it to end, so. Around that same time, um, or maybe it was a couple years after this, there's Mr. Robot. Uh, I watched the first two seasons of Mr. Robot, really liked it. Um, it started to get away from me, but there's an episode four of season two where Elliot sees his reality as a TGIF style sitcom ALF is in it, which is great. Um, but it felt like the writers of that episode saw too many cooks. It was around this time in uh, the middle of the last decade where people became very self-aware of, of sitcom stuff. In a lot of sketch comedy, you would see this too. Bills, bills, and more bills. And I feel like that started to inform what WandaVision now is. Absolutely. I'm surprised that it took uh, Alf this long. He's tried to come back so many times in pog form on Mr. Yeah. Robot. <laughs> when are we getting that big Alf movie? That's the thing that's really yeah, going to help him break through <laughs> again to the mainstream, you know? Or not. Another subcategory of things you should check out, you've probably seen a lot of these, we just want to connect them. Uh, these kind of movies where they're all kind of simulated reality or it was all a dream things. Going back to the classic, The Wizard of Oz. I understood that reference. I understood that reference, Eric. Okay. Uh, we are going to find, uh, I think, a lot of parallels to The Wizard of Oz. Uh, we have two witches. You have a tin man. Uh, in episode three, there's a movie theater marquee showing Oz the Great and Powerful, which is weirdly a 2013 movie in a 70s sitcom world. But really, the deeper theme of The Wizard of Oz is everything is a con. Everything's for the show. It's all yep. kind of a lie. The wizard is just a man behind the curtain. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. And The Wizard of Oz was a big part of Lost. There was a lot of references to The Wizard of Oz and Lost as well. Yeah. In the same way, I think it's worth rewatching The Wizard of Oz any day of the week because it's such a it's a great classic. But I think you're going to see a lot of parallels between this show and that movie. Absolutely, yeah. I got to get that. I got they have a Wizard of Oz in 3D on 3D Blu-ray. I got to buy that because I have a 3D TV. No, you don't. That's crazy. Yeah, I have yet to, yeah, it's the coolest thing ever. I have yet to see The Wizard of Oz in 3D, but I need to track down that Blu-ray and uh, and enjoy that because I'm sure that that Whoa. just enhances how crazy and trippy and perfect that movie is. So yeah, once this is all over, Eric, you can come over and watch a 3D movie. Once we're all safe <laughs> and in the clear, I got all the Marvel movies in 3D. I got Moana. Listen, bunch of them. We have... Blueberry, raspberry, ginseng, sleepy time, green tea, green tea with lemon, blueberry, chamomile, vanilla, walnut, constant comment, and Earl Grey. Did you make some of those up? Now we mentioned Inception before. I assume however many times you've seen Inception, that's as many times as you need to have seen Inception. Yeah, there are parallels here. There's the Descartes dream argument. It, you know, it seems like the characters might be inside a collapsing dream. I do like the idea that it seems like in WandaVision, they're using these small objects as totems, the way like mm. uh, Agnes has her pendant. Really, I would say instead of rewatching Inception, rewatch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I think that is going to be way more similar because we know from trailer footage that Wanda and Vision are, it seems like they're going to fight back against this collapsing reality. That's what Eternal Sunshine is. It's this doomed couple who mm -hmm. are, you know, they're heartbroken and they're trying to erase their memories of painful memories the way Wanda appears to be doing. But they kind of 
run uh, out the clock away from their memories as things are fading around them. And it kind of mm. seems like what's going on in WandaVision, right? This is a doomed couple. They don't have a future and they're just trying to cling Absolutely. to their past. I feel like Inception and Eternal Sunshine both have at their center, gooey center of the story. It's a story about a failed relationship in a way, but mm -hmm. Eternal Sunshine feels, you just feel it much, much more. Yeah. You know, I think Inception uh, sacrifices a little bit of that for the amazing spectacle, all the cool mm -hmm. buildings and everything. Whereas Eternal Sunshine is like, no, we're really going to make you think like you are Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet and it's mm -hmm. depressing and it's bleak and we've all been there and enjoy this movie. <laughs> it's really sad, yeah. but really, really great and a great parallel to WandaVision. But I'm hoping, man, I don't know. I, I want a great heartbreaking tragedy that moves me and mm -hmm. is kind of true to these characters in the comic books but i also want everybody to have the happiest ending in the I mcu know. I'm, I'm a terrible fan because i just want everybody <laughs> to be super happy all the time and then i'm like great that's great what's this movie they're having a picnic great i wish that i could bake a cake made out of rainbows and smiles and we'd all eat be happy she doesn't even go here i'll take it <laughs> You know, I think all I really want from these characters is humanity, which I know Vision, it's hard to ask that, but Paul Bettany, I've never loved Vision more than when I'm watching this show. Finally, finally, you've come around. You've come I around, have. Eric. I'm kind finally of a Vision like Vision. Fan. Uh, yes. And I think it's, I get to see how good of an actor Paul Bettany, which I've always liked Paul Bettany. I loved him as Jarvis. Yeah. I loved him in his other roles. Now you really get to yeah. see what these actors can do. Give them more than just a subplot in an Avengers team-up movie and see what they can totally. do. And this is what we're getting. It's so great to see them uh, have like a real human experience of just trying to have their dream life together. And you know at the end of it, they're probably not gonna be able to keep it. One more simulated reality thing. There's a lot of these movies, right? There's like Source Code, there's Dark City, there's the 13th Floor. If you are a big X-Files fan, go back and watch Kill Switch because they feature that same song that was in the first trailer, The Platters, It's Twilight Time. I know that Marvel must have pulled it from that episode of Kill Switch. <laughs> the fact that S.W.O.R.D. is their S.W.O.R.D. feels like an X-Files type entity, FBI mm -hmm. division. I feel like there's going to be some X-Files uh, DNA in this show. The final category we're going to talk about, because I think it's pretty easy for a lot of fans of these different genres to see the technical aspects and how they parallel. I think the true meaning of the show is going to be found in the actor's performance. Katherine Hahn, what a talent. She can deliver things so precisely, like a scalpel, to where it's like, yeah. Mm. I, I got the pleasure of meeting her when I first moved out to Hollywood, and she was so, so nice. And it's so rare to have a real-life celebrity who is actually nice and sweet to you. And she was, like, getting ready in the green room of our improv theater for a show. I didn't know she was in there. I was just like, oh, um, yeah, we'll be ready in 10 minutes. She's like, great, thank you so much. Like, was so kind to me in this sh shitty improv theater, and I'll yeah. never forget it. So I'm so happy that she's on this. Yeah. I am a massive Katherine Hahn fan, and I had yeah. a chance to interview her for WandaVision, and I oh, asked nice. her, too, I was like, would you ever play uh, Olivia Octavius in live action? And she was like, oh, yeah, totally. And I was like, great, confirmed. You're the next yes. Spider-Man. Thanks. <laughs> you just gave me a headline. But she was the nicest. Yes. Exactly. But it, it always feels like because I'm such a big fan of comedy that whenever, like, comedy people kind of get to be in these big worlds and these big franchises and stuff, it just makes it all the better. And what you were saying about her performance is she can be so precisely funny in WandaVision and then something happens when reality breaks or whatever and it's the most yes. terrifying and just, you know, all your hairs are standing up on the back of your neck because of her selling it. Right, so to help us understand those kind of human ticks, 
we have to watch a couple cult horror films. One that a lot of you are pointing out is Get Out, Jordan Peele's amazing film where Daniel Kalia gets lured into this like racist upstate New York society that wants to snatch his body and those of other young black people for their minds of these weird, creepy, aging, sick white people. And the big similar parallel point is uh, Deborah Jo Rupp's great uh, mental stop breakdown, it. which is just like, stop it, stop, stop it. it. And it's just like, you know, the, the house made of of get out where she has a similar moment she's just like crying oh, no, but smiling. no 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 yeah amazing no no yeah amazing very similar and you see how when everyone in the room is smiling there is something wrong no one ever lives their life that way another similar reference point cabin in the woods so cabin in the woods drew goddard movie uh he's the guy who directed the pilot of the good place and he worked on buffy and he was going to do the sinister six movie after amazing spider-man 2 it wasn't going to do an x-force movie too got scrapped anyway uh this movie seems like a horror film it's pretty stereotypical group of fans fall into a horror scenario but it's all revealed to be this uh, elaborate lab experiment run by um also bradley whitford from get out isn't that (laughs) and it's all about creating these scenarios to uh give human sacrifices to these ancient demons to keep them satisfied so they won't destroy the world it's insane and amazing. Also stars a young Thor. Yes, Chris Hemsworth is in that. Uh, I think this came out after he was cast as Thor, but before mm. Thor had come out. So definitely watch this one. Has a lot of similar WandaVision stuff, right? You have the whole thing of uh, people in a video booth watching the horror unfold. And there's a sense that they're getting something else out of it. While we're talking about cult stuff, there's a bunch of classics. There's Wicker Man. There's more recent one, Midsommar. Very similar kind of thing. People go to this rural community and it's all about human sacrifice. We kind of know where it's going. Again, when people are smiling and singing, there's something wrong. But there is one cult title that I think is more important, maybe than any other title on this list that everyone should watch, Martha Marcy May Marlene. Did you see this movie? I I have not, no, tell me about it. Okay, so this was Elizabeth Olsen's breakout role. I think this led directly to her getting cast in the MCU. Uh, she plays a cult escapee, and she goes by many different names. Uh, Marcy May is a name she's given by the cult leader, and it's all shown in flashback, but this movie is terrifying um, because the whole movie, it seems very, very grounded, but she keeps getting the sense that she has not fully escaped the cult. And she keeps seeing familiar people standing across the lake that are just watching her. And she looks back and they're gone. Mm. Uh, And the way the movie ends, I won't spoil it, but has such a chilling open-ended ending. When you watch this movie and then you watch WandaVision, you're like, this is why she is cast as Scarlet Witch. Kevin Feige knew from the beginning that she was going to be in a role at some point in the MCU where she's going to be in a reality and she's not sure what's going on. Uh, But everyone around her is smiling and telling her things are okay. And, I mean, I'm just going to say, all four of those names begin with the letter M... Right? Wait, what are the names again? Martha Marcy May Why did you say that name? But why did you say that name? Why would you say that name? Why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? You why know those, did Eric, you that, say that name? <laughs> like why? But like why would you say it? Why that synopsis? The, what you described to me it, it reminded me of a movie that kind of traumatized me as a young person, as like a kid when it came out, starring Ant Man, Michael Douglas. The game was another yes. kind of a real mind f movie where you're Fincher like, one. yeah, what's real and what's not? I, I haven't seen it in years. I haven't revisited it in years, but I still know that feeling of when I first saw it and I've been meaning to check it out. Yeah, David Fincher. So that might be another one in those same kind of conversations of like, 
the 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 character, the protagonist, not the tenant protagonist, but like the protagonist of whatever movie we're talking mm-hmm. about, doesn't know what's real and what's not. Sometimes those those mind trip movies are just so much fun, man, and stressful yes. and stressful. So Hector, I want to know what you think. But for me, of this list, the ones you should watch: watch that Twilight Zone episode, uh, watch a couple episodes of Legion, and watch mm-hmm. Martha Marcy May Marlene, and you're covered. You know, you've seen Wizard of Oz, you've seen The Matrix, you might have seen The Truman Show, so you're kind of covered there. You know what those are all about. You might not know these other titles though. Definitely give those a shot. I, I guarantee you WandaVision is going to start to make a lot more sense. I agree with that 100%. And I think maybe the only other one I would throw in there in case somebody, you know, we got a lot of uh, young people still discovering classic movies every single year. If you're watching this and you haven't seen it, I would say also The Truman Show. I've been yes. getting a lot of Truman Show vibes, especially with the first few episodes of WandaVision. I think that's a classic. But Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, I need to check it out. And let us know what other parallels you see uh, in the comments below. This is an evolving process. So we- We've seen three episodes so far. We'll see what four, five, six, seven, eight, nine have in store for us. But before we continue with this episode, because uh, Hector's going to answer some questions for us, uh, we want to thank some friends who helped us make it. Uh, our sponsor, Mint Mobile. For lots of us, saving money is the top of our New Year's resolution list, right? So if you're still paying insane amounts of money every month for wireless, what are you doing? I just got overcharged on my current plan. I'm not going to shout them out, but like I went slightly over and now it's like, great, I'm paying 30 more dollars this month. That sucks. Uh, just because I didn't realize my phone wasn't connected to Wi-Fi. Here's what you do though. You switch to Mint Mobile. It's really the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans starting at just $15 a month, which sounds insane to pay that low for your, your monthly cell phone bill. But it's possible with Mint Mobile. It's normally tough to make more money or to save extra money, but Mint Mobile makes it super simple by going online only, eliminating all those traditional costs in retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. And all plans come with an unlimited talk and unlimited text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. I feel like that's what I need. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number with all your contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee to switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash big Q. That's mintmobile.com slash big Q. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash big Q. We also want to thank our friends at M. Perfect Foods for sponsoring this video. See folks, every year, billions of pounds of food go to waste. And it's often because it just doesn't live up to those strict cosmetic standards of grocery stores. Imperfect Foods is on a mission to reimagine grocery delivery for a kinder, less wasteful world. Isn't that what we need? They deliver sustainable, affordable groceries, including produce, quality protein, eggs and dairy, and pantry staples straight to your door. Plus, they're always adding fun and tasty new discoveries for you to try each week. All you have to do to sign up is create your flexible, personalized grocery plan, and then shop online each week and get affordable and sustainable groceries delivered directly to your door. With Imperfect Foods, grocery shopping fits seamlessly into your life, and every week is a tasty adventure. Sign up with Imperfect Foods today to save time 
time, save money, and save food from going to waste. And right now, Imperfect Foods is offering our listeners 20% off plus free shipping on your first order when you go to imperfectfoods.com and make sure to use the promo code BIGQUESTION so they know that we sent you. Try Imperfect Foods now for a limited time and get 20% off plus free shipping on your first order. Go to imperfectfoods.com and use BIGQUESTION to sign up. That's 20% off plus free shipping at imperfectfoods.com. Offer code BIGQUESTION. All right, Hector's going to answer a couple bite-sized questions for us. Uh, you ready, Hector? I'm ready. All right, let's do this. Uh, first one comes from our buddy Civilian on Discord, who asks, if Cable is in Deadpool 3, is that the first instance of an actor playing two different roles in the MCU? Absolutely not. Wrong, sir. Wrong. I think, I think Eric can come up with a bunch of great examples, but I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, I feel like the first example of an actor playing different roles in the MCU is from actress Laura Haddock who played an autograph seeker in Captain America the That's First right. Avenger and then a few years later played Peter Quill's mom who was dying in the hospital right. in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. But through the magic of retcons, now her autograph seeker character has been now uh, in like fan wikis and stuff and maybe from Marvel Studios <laughs> them, officially themselves has now uh, been credited as Peter Quill's grandmother, which is amazing. So she played Peter Quill's grandmother in the 40s and she was like, hi, trying to get an autograph from Captain America. And then years later, that same actress played her own daughter and there was even an older woman sort of next to her bed as she was dying in 1989 when Peter Quill was oh. scooped up. Or 89 when Peter Quill got scooped up. I think it was 88. 89 was when Michael Douglas, Hank Pym, came in and punched a guy out and then quit <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm quitting, but with fashion. So in 1988 when he got scooped up, uh, which is great. And um, and there's a ton of other examples of, of actors playing maybe sort of minor minor-ish roles for the most part, but uh, Eric, hit us, hit us with some. Come on, I know you yeah, got Yeah, there's, um, there's, well, Jimmy Chan is going to be playing Cersei in Eternal. She played the Kree soldier Minerva in Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Kenneth Choi did the same thing as uh, the Lore Haddock thing. He played Jim Marita yeah. in the Howling Commandos in Captain America, the first Avenger, and then played his own grandson, Principal Marita, in Spider-Man Homecoming. And I, I hope that those are instances where, like, the actors are, are, like, I hope that Kenneth Choi was just hired to be in Spider-Man is the principal and yeah. somebody didn't know that he would like and that he had to be like I was in Captain America and then they were like oh great you're your grandfather like uh, yeah. I, I'm hoping but I don't know probably not I'm, maybe they're a little smarter than I'm giving them credit for over at Marvel Studios casting yeah. which they're pretty good at they're pretty good at casting you know there is a bit of problematic shit going on here when there are people of color playing two different characters like I'm wondering if someone in the casting mm. department is like no one's gonna know mm. I mean so I mean it's it's Gemma Chan it's Kenneth Choi uh, Mahershala Alfre Woodard I mean yeah those are but with Mahershala and Alfre, they you could say they were in the Netflix Marvel, they were on Luke Cage, right. and uh, you know right. there's probably a bit of a dividing line there with the MCU, um, unless they get sure, for sure. Unless it's all connected. This name keeps coming up over and over again. And then there's going to be a weird conversation where <laughs> they have to fight uh, the same face who is Blade, who was Cornell Stokes. It's not going to make sense. <laughs> You've lost your goddamn mind, Charlie. <laughs> I guess you can make the argument that the uh, cameos, right? So Stan Lee has played several different characters. And it's not just himself every time. He played Hugh Hefner. But, in one of them. Eric, come on. that roles, Those roles have also been retconned into being overall 
one role, which is the watcher informant. That's who Stanley played. Yes, watcher played. informant. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You could say that. Uh, so a uh, Hugh Hefner in the rea- in this reality is really a watcher informant. Makes sense. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, though Joe Russo has cameoed in pretty much all of the movies he's directed. He was the Doctor in the first or in Winter Soldier. He was Doctor Broussard in Civil War. He was mm-hmm. uh, the guy in the support group in Endgame. All different characters. They aren't the same guy unless that guy is a scroll. Triplets. Full-grown <laughs> triplets men. That's all. Yeah. That's all it is. And then, of course, if they do retcon the Fantastic Four movies into the MCU, Chris Evans is going to have some explaining to do. Ladies, call me Torch. Oh, boy. Then there's also, uh, uh, we can't forget Foggy Nelson, John Favreau, who yeah. also is Happy Hogan. <laughs> But he was foggy in Daredevil with Ben Affleck. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. lots of fun yeah. stuff like that. So to answer your question, no, Josh Brolin would not be the first. But if they do do that and bring in Cable, then he might, he might be one of the first major, you know, roles that we're kind of really focusing on that uh, yeah. that the MCU hasn't really done before. So, you know, but they're, yeah. we're going to run out of actors before we run yes. out of Marvel characters <laughs> for these people to play. All right. Uh, another question here. Actually, Sauceless on Discord asks, could Natasha have picked up Thor's hammer? Mm, it's a great question, Eric. It's a great question. It makes me think of one of my favorite scenes from Avengers Age of Ultron. A lot of people love the scene where they're all sitting around the hammer and they're all kind of talking crap to Thor and Jeremy uh-huh. Renner's like, whatever, man, it's a scam, dude. Whosoever so holds the hammer can be Thor. And uh, of course, Natasha Romanoff's like, that's not something I need to, I need to know. <laughs> which is this really nice little character revelation. I'm leaning towards she could not have picked up Thor's hammer because more more so based on the rules of Thor's hammer versus Natasha's worthiness. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. I feel like... Yeah, go into it. Thor's, I think I know where you're going. Yeah. I feel like Thor's hammer has a more specific set of rules than just if he or she is worthy Whoever so is worthy shall possess the power of Thor. I feel like that's Odin being a little simplistic, and I think that there's mm-hmm. more programming happening in Mjolnir, uh-huh. <laughs> and I think that Natasha Romanoff would not be able to lift it because I feel like Natasha as a character, Black Widow as a character, her whole character arc is about trying to make up for the fact mm-hmm. that she was this hired killer working mm-hmm. for one team and then switching over to the good guys, whatever, but still killing people when she's the good guys. Versus if we talk about Thor, look, Thor has killed many, many, many more people. Like he said mm-hmm. in Thor Ragnarok, he's lived for a thousand years and he's killed almost twice as many beings, yeah. you know, him being uh-huh. the mighty Thor. But I think that Thor at his heart believes himself to be, and I think he kind of is, like a good heroic person who saves yeah. lives, who answers prayers of, you know, when, when when the Norse, you know, Vikings and stuff would pray to Thor, like that's how he considers himself to be. And I think that there's a lot of Mjolnir that comes with um, the, the like one's own perception, which yeah. goes into, hey, how come Steve couldn't lift it? Well, either he was faking it and he could and he didn't want to seem like like a jerk to Thor or a lot of people point out the fact that at that point in Avengers Age of Ultron, he knew that Bucky killed Tony's parents and didn't tell Tony. So I think even mm. Steve himself had a thing within his own heart where he's like, uh, I don't feel good about this. I'm lying to my friend. Oh, that's interesting. I never heard of that take before, but that even makes though sense. Captain America in, in his heroics has also killed people and killed bad guys and everything. It's not it doesn't just come down to taking lives. It comes down to somebody's own perception of their Mm-hmm. worthiness i guess but who knows yeah. maybe i made all that up 
What do you think? No, it's I, I like that uh, take, Hector. I mean, it's weird because worthiness can't just be a willingness to lay down your own life because lots of people do that. Like, are, is every firefighter worthy? Uh, is every person who yes. runs toward danger <laughs> and protects someone and jumps on a grenade or runs into a burning building, they're not all capable of picking up that hammer or summoning nope. it. Um, nope. So you're right. There is some kind of extra element to it. I think there's something to and this is going to sound trite, but like, does the world need me to be worthy right now? Like, the world yes. needed Thor to be worthy in each of those moments. The world needed Cap to be worthy in Endgame to save Thor's life. Like, there's that sense of, like, is does the moment call for this? And by Natasha saying, I don't need that question answered, I think it's just kind of a line saying, like, the world never needs me to lift the hammer, so I'm not ever going to be worthy right. of it. And to back up your claims, in the amazing crossover event from the early 2000s, JLA Avengers, or Avengers JLA, Superman needed to pick up the hammer like the world <laughs> needed superman to uh, wield captain america's shield and pick up mjolnir at the same time and it's one of the best yeah most amazing comic book moments ever but it's like you're saying the universe needed superman clark kent to do that in that moment so he did so he's worthy yeah it's a and there is like a um um a what if comic right where black widow picks up the hammer it's like the age of ultron what if but i mean but Eric, and who, what hasn't, if everything who hasn't happens. picked up the hammer in exactly. a what if comic? i mean come on <laughs> yeah. Come on, I'm pretty sure Aunt May did it. I'm pretty sure, you know, <laughs> right, Dr. Right, Doom right. did it. Who cares? Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. So I think if, I don't think Natasha needs it. And I think more importantly, we don't need Natasha to wield it. Like, I think in her mind, if she wanted to jump on a grenade or if there were a dire moment, yep. I think she yep. can think of a couple other ways that she could solve that problem uh, rather yep. than picking up this ancient Asgardian hammer. All right, uh, Hector, we have time for one mailbag question around we call Box of Scraps. Box of Scraps! And our question this week, will each answer this, uh, have you ever been Truman showed? Uh, i.e., have you been tricked or gaslighted into participating in something for which you were not fully aware of its true purpose? Ooh, yes. That's a great question. That's I have definitely gone with friends up to some parties in the Hollywood Hills, uh -huh. and you can't not think it's really glamorous and cool and exciting and stuff. I was expecting to see mountains of cocaine. I never saw any. Yeah, but also, either. I'm such I'm I know, right? It's kind of a, it's kind of disappointing <laughs> when you when you move to Los Angeles from another part of the country. I mean, I just moved from San Diego, which is still just like an extension of it's all Southern California or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's still very different. But um, I, I, but the other thing about me, too, Eric, is that like I can go to something like that and then like be walking back to the car with my friends after or something. And my friends will go, did you see that? That was crazy. And I'll be like, what? 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 I missed something? And then I get disappointed. I didn't see some insane, like, yeah, so-and-so was there. Or this happened. Or there was a mountain of cocaine. I never saw it. And I'm <laughs> we kind of We were snowboarding <laughs> down a mountain of cocaine. How did you miss that? <laughs> I'm bad at parties is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Oh, me too. And I think you have to be real careful in LA when you go to parties because... LA parties, you could very easily go to one where it's like, this was not a party. This was um, an opportunity for someone <laughs> or some kind of weird event. One yep. comes to mind for me, um, a couple years ago, I got invited to a party by a friend of mine and she sent us all like this Facebook message being like, hey, so I'm throwing a birthday party for a friend. It's at their house in, in Sherman Oaks. Um, be sure to arrive by this time because you're not going to want to miss there's certain uh, like things that we're doing 
And in my mind, I was like, oh, it's going to be like a murder mystery party or a game night. I love mm, stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm like, do I need to come in character or wear any costume? They're like, no, 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 it's just going to be real fun. You have an opportunity to win stuff. And I was like, hmm. I, and this was like a period where I was, I think, going through some depression. I was like, I haven't gotten out uh, in a while. I should go to a party. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big mistake. Um, and this friend, she's still a good friend of mine, so I don't want to call her out. I get what she was doing, but we we go to it, and I knock on the door, and it's someone I know. It's like someone I know through improv. And I'm like, oh, hey, dude. Um, happy birthday? And he's like, oh, it's not my birthday. I'm like, but this is your house? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what is this? No one was really there yet except this other dude that I knew who seemed to be, it was his birthday. But I'm like, so it's your birthday? And he's like, uh, y- yeah, yeah. Like, it was clear he had been told things to say, but didn't know if I was in oh, on something. no. And I almost left right then and there, except a couple other friends showed up and I'm, who were on this Facebook message. And I'm like, what is this? And they're like, we don't really know... But the party seems like they were still setting up stuff. Like, but what was really scary is I kept seeing shuffling around in like back bedrooms what I assumed to be PAs. They all had like walkie talkies. And I was like, nope. what is going on? And I was texting my friend. I was asking her, like, where are you? Are you here? Like, should I go? And no response. And then so more and more people get to the party and everyone's kind of confused. And we're just like, you know drinking the kool-aid <laughs> and then it's poison and we all died uh no but there's like a knock at the, at the door and it's like a cop and uh and but it, so we thought it was being too loud but it was all like the cop it was like what was going to be a stripper but instead of a stripper the car the cop was like we're going to make this party fun and then a bunch of um people came in with cameras started recording us and it was part of a um, like a YouTube social experiment to try to make a party fun. Um, and Ooh, that sounds <laughs> awful. I just I was not that. prepared for. It. I would have preferred just my friend telling me, "Hey, you're going to be part of this." I would have been like, "All right," you know. But I had been like <laughs> lured into this party, and I was not in a good mental place at the time. I seriously had an anxiety attack. Uh, and I rushed out of the house. I had to run around the, through the backyard. I jumped over someone's bushes, and I, ha- I like, sprinted out of there. It freaked me the fuck out. Please tell me that that made it into the cut, that I can see this on YouTube, and there's footage of some guy running in the, way in the backyard. <laughs> Face blurred because I didn't sign a release. Um, I... It's one of those parties where it's like, and there's been other times where things like that have happened. You know, friends shoot a short film and they're like, we need to do a party scene. We're all going to party afterwards. And I've learned since just don't do those because it's just a, a nightmare. <laughs> and like, I, I met up with her later that night and she asked me pointedly, like, why did you leave? And I was mm-hmm. like, um, I wasn't feeling too well. The whole thing kind of freaked me out. I wasn't really into it. Like I was apologizing. And then like yeah. a year later, I was hanging out with her and her roommate and like, Somehow the conversation steered into like her roommate saying, "Hey, um, remember that party?" And then my friend was like, turned to that friend and went like that, like as if I couldn't see it. Oh no! And it was clearly they had been talking shit about me since then, being like, "Hey, remember when Eric overreacted to this harmless thing we were doing?" Like there was no understanding on their part that that was a very weird thing to do to your friends. Um, well, if they're watching right now, it was weird. Well, uh, be wary of that. And uh, if you ever move to L.A., just be prepared that you might walk into a party that is not a party, uh, but one that you have to sign a release afterwards. <laughs> um, 
And uh, it's good advice. It's good advice. How you are the star of a TV show suddenly. Um, and that is it for this episode of Big Question. On that terrifying note, <laughs> thank you to Hector for joining me this episode. I feel like we figured out what WandaVision is. Oh, easily. Yeah, it's all about it's a prank YouTube show is what WandaVision actually is. You'll see. You'll yep. see. They'll reveal it. Yeah, they'll reveal it. Uh, you can follow Hector at Hector Navarro. Um, and is there anything else you want to plug, Hector? Yeah, you can check out uh, me and my homies on a YouTube channel called Heroes Reforged, where we are also talking about WandaVision and a bunch of other fun stuff. We looked at the Vision comic book and how it could have related to the show. We are reading comics and talking about movies and TV shows, Star Wars, Marvel, all the stuff that you like. So check that out over at Heroes Reforged on YouTube. And we'd really appreciate it. Thanks. For sure. Uh, and you can follow me at EA Voss, follow any rock stars, and be sure to send us your big questions using the hashtag big question. Uh, you can also join our Patreon Discord server, where that's usually where I go to first looking for questions. Uh, subscribe to this podcast feed. Give us a nice rating review if you don't mind. Uh, and subscribe to the new rock stars here on YouTube. Hit that notification bell. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Big Q. Big Q. Big Q. Pretty B. Big Dick Boy. Ugh. Smoke Chronic. Big Dick. <laughs> Thank you.